This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Some people use the term one-hit wonder as an insult, but for our money, if you have even a single hit song in your lifetime, you are a literal rock star, and you have secured your place in pop music history. The 90s and 2000s were, arguably, the last bastions for those supernova successes, as streaming services and digital consumption made mega-hits a thing of the past. But what a past it was. So join us as the great pop culture debate straddles the 21st century and rides the pop music train and determines the best one-hit wonder of the 90s and 2000s. 44 years and my life is still trying to get up that great big hill and that folks is exactly why I failed cross country in high school (laughs) true story I'm your host Eric Resniak please join me as I welcome my panel by ask what's going on oh my god Becky she is too sexy for this podcast but she knows how to do it and she'll be there for you please welcome back Amy Pilot hi friends Amy, I know you only talk to me because I look like a total prostitute. (laughs) I'm okay with that. Now, Andrea Guerrero, I've been meaning to ask, are you a lover, a child, a mother, a sinner, or a saint? Eric, I'm just a bitch. Mm, And as we all know from Latrice Royale, bitch stands for being in total control of herself. (laughs) So, join the club. And what's that smell? Oh, it's Sex and Candy and Kate Reculia. <laughs> Who's that casting devious stares in my direction? I don't know, but mama, this sure feels like a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Dig it. So- <laughs> Before we get to the debate, how does this work? We made a poll of more than 150 significant one-hit wonders that debuted between 1990 and 2009. To qualify, the songs had to have made the to the Billboard US charts, and the acts could not have had any subsequent songs that cracked the Billboard Top 20. Roughly 50 people took the poll, we tallied their votes, ranked the picks by popularity, and added them to a bracket. Now we argue about it and insult each other for your amusement. Want to play along at home? You can. Head to greatpopculturedebate.com and go to polls and brackets. There you'll find the downloadable listener brackets for this and every episode of our little show. Do your picks match up with ours? Do you think we have the brains of a crash test dummy? Let us know by dropping a comment on this episode on our website or by yelling at us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And lastly, if you're curious about how we went from the top 32 down to the sweet 16, become a Patreon supporter of our podcast. Our Patreons at the $5 level or higher get exclusive access to the warm-up slash part ones for each episode in which we work our way through all of round one it's like a whole bonus episode for each topic and it includes arguments you will not hear anywhere else and it's only one of our great patreon perks so consider supporting us on patreon today with that out of the way let's stop collaborate and listen as we kick off these debates but by the way this is one of those episodes where there was absolutely no way of telling what would advance (laughs) so we are flying without a script here folks it's very grunge very raw 
very 90s. Uh, first up, it is One Seed Bitch by Meredith Brooks versus Four Seed No Rain by Blind Melon. Amy, you want to talk a little bit about Blind Melon and the enduring cultural impact of B-Girl. So that's really it for me. It's the Bumblebee Girl. <laughs> <laughs> the, song is, the song is great. Good song. Really like it. Um, but like, I have friends who were this Bumblebee Girl for Halloween, I want to say in 2010. I, you know, like, I mean, this lived on. This was a sensation. So it went from just not, not just a one-hit wonder, but like a one hit phenomenon like i mean it's mm-hmm. it's a little bit wild what happened with this actually poor kid um but seems to be making her way you know listen she's still in the public eye like 25 years later so you know maybe she's got some fans maybe it worked out for her um it's a good song and it like launched a phenomenon with the halloween costume so i'm 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 voting here for for blind melon does anyone know what happened to the actual B-Girl? Because oh, yeah. I am... Oh, oh uh, tell me. I'm, I'm desperate to know. I mean, she's she's still, like, living off of it a little bit. Like, she's out there dressing up like a bee 25 years later. She's very pretty. She got married. She's 38 years old. Like... She is a financial advisor. She clearly has a real job. But um... okay, thank God. I, I was worried that she was living <laughs> off of pollination skills. And listen, <laughs> we're having colony collapse. And I, I was worried about her success. So I'm glad to know that she's a financial advisor. No, but she's, you know, she's got an Instagram. I think she's still out there like, you know, she she's our age. So she's, <laughs> she also is living the phenomenon. She, she is living, yeah. She Go was ahead. in an episode of Reno 911. She was in Balls of Fury. She was on an episode of ER. Uh, let's see. Um, and most recently, she was in 2020, she was in a TV show called I Can See Your Voice, which is an international television mystery music game show franchise that originated in South Korea. Sign me the fuck up. <laughs> and apparently, she also reprised her role as B-Girl in a Weird Al Yankovic song, Bedrock oh. Anthem. I love this. And you I know what? For her. We stand an icon. Um, <laughs> I love, and listen, I love, I, this is supposed to be about the song. And it is a great song. <laughs> It's a great song. It's a great video. Although I would argue that in the 90s, music videos were equally as important as the yes. song itself. They were. 100%. So I don't think it's kind of, it's out of bounds to factor B-Girl and that whole concept into this discussion. I really don't. Because um, if it was just the song on the radio, I don't know if it would have hit the same way that it did. But I'm here to talk about Meredith Brooks and Bitch. And um, I have to say, like... The 90s and the strong female singer-songwriter trope, like, that was a critical part of 90s pop music. You had Lilith Fair, and, like, Bitch, for what it was, was a, like, legit anthem and still is. And I know that there's kind of been, and probably was at the time, some pushback to the song about... I'm not really sure we should be kind of celebrating the fact that we're called this slang, but I always interpret it. And obviously I'm a man, I'm on a panel with women. I always thought it was kind of like reappropriating this term and taking the power mm-hmm. back. I don't know how you, and not that you speak for all women, but um, I always thought of it as a positive and kind of, um, I said anthemic song. I'm curious where people are coming down on this one. Um, Amy, you're sticking with my melon. 
I'm sticking with the B girl, but yes. I'm sticking with the B girl. <laughs> An important distinction. Uh, Andrea, where are you? This one's a def- definitely a toss up. Um, cause I agree with you. I think it's more about reclaiming the term bitch, um, versus anything else. However, B girl, I mean, <laughs> you cannot deny the impact that B girl has had. Um, also I, uh, no rain is another great sing-along song. Um, and I think people can probably name the artist to no rain quicker and more accurately than they can with bitch. I think if you were to ask a lot, a lot of people today who sang bitch, you'll probably get either Liz fair or Alanis Morissette before you'll get Meredith Brooks. Mm. So based on that, I'm going to go with no rain. Okay. Uh, Kate, where are you? I am 100% no rain. Like I just also blind melon as like a band name is just like perfect 90. It's like just perfect nineties band name. It's a nonsensical thing. It's like my father, when third eye blind was a thing and my brother (laughs) asked for for Christmas for asked for their, their CD for Christmas. He literally was at the media play being like, I don't know, fourth year deaf, whatever it is. It's, the 90s was about nonsensical band names and yeah, that you would remember. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And um, songs that had parentheses in the titles and album titles that were like full on novellas. That yes. was the 90s. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So we will be advancing No Rain to round three. Next up, it looks like the panel is unanimous in that Six Seed the Macarena by Los Del Rio is getting booted or danced right out of the competition by Two Seed Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer. Uh, no one is disagreement on there. Amy, you're, you're with Kiss Me? Bye, Macarena. Hey, hey. Macarena. Uh, Andrea, you're with Kiss Me? Kiss Me. Kate? Was I a fucking bet? Yes. <laughs> oh my God, you took off your glasses and your ponytail and you're so beautiful now. Uh, next up, One Seed Bombo number five by Lou Bega, yet another dancey, uh, is up against Four Seed Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. Kate, you wanted to talk about Breakfast at Tiffany's and I said, I think I remember the film, but you go first. And as I recall... We both kind of liked it. Yeah. yeah, I was like, wait a minute, there's something there. Yeah, no, it's Breakfast at Tiffany's, you know, file under CDs I actually got from the BMG Music Club. Uh, yes, I, I got this. Uh, blew something. Came in the mail. All of the, like, prongs on the inside of the CD were busted. So always. It, always. <laughs> so physical media, kids. It was a time. Uh, I just think that this is a really great representative kind of, like, up-tempo, influenced by grunge, but very much kind of 90s pop which there isn't pop music necessarily like this now um indie pop would probably be the closest but this was still something else right it's a little harder it's a little more rock it has a great guitar sound it has a fantastic lyric that people just know even if they don't know kind of where the song is or where it came from um in my rubric i was looking at how 90s or how aughts is a thing like how representative is that song of a decade um how much of a one-hit wonder is it like do we only know this artist from this song does it hold up and my own special sauce of memories and i just think this song every time i hear it i find it effortlessly charming still it's really clever it's a it's a song about a breakup that's very peppy and there's sort of a winsomeness to it that i think a lot of one-hit wonders capture something i think ineffable that like people relate to that's novel right and that they notice it for the first time and i wonder if for this song it's that guitar sound that 
it's just so it's it's a lovely little guitar lick um and the i think what about we all kind of liked it and she said well that's the one thing we've got like you, you know <laughs> the spoken lyrics um and all that to say i just think it's a great song that could have only happened in the 90s that jangly sound yeah that jangly jangly like, and like mm-hmm. that's another important flavor of 90s music jangly mm-hmm. right and what yeah. other decade was that happening I mean, jangle pop like is a thing in the way that like all music now is like a thousand different niches. Um, But this was like on a big scale back when we still had a monoculture, kids. (laughs) I remember when I had mono. That was the best diet ever. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You Um, were so lucky getting that right before prom. uh, uh, That's what um, I say about getting my tonsils out my junior year. (laughs) Yeah, I wish that had happened for me. My God. All right. So, Andrea, tell us why Lou Bega is the one, two, three, four, five. Everybody in the car, come on, let's ride. That's a very long intro for this argument. That's that's, that's from memory, which should show you how indelibly this song is Mm -hmm. etched to my brain. I I do want to pose a question to the group. Um, If you were to guess Lou Bega's ethnicity, what would you say it is? (sighs) Oh... I would guess Cuban. Okay. Anyone else? I I couldn't even begin to guess other than Mambo. <laughs> Puerto Rican. I pulled it up Disney. on Wikipedia, so now I am I am I am just a shot. <laughs> so Lou Vega is German uh, uh, and uh, dropped Mambo number five into the u.s with so much ferocity and grace and it was a juggernaut of a song it was Mm -hmm. everywhere it was it was it was a novelty song kind of like the thong song and like who let the dogs out or but like it was better musically and it was better musically because Mambo number five is a jazz piece by a Cuban musician, like the Mm -hmm. original song. And so Lou Vega sampled it, turned it into what it is now. Um, So uh, I do not argue against art. I try to argue for art on this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) but art comes in many different shapes and forms, you know, and art is subjective um, and everyone's got different opinions on it. But uh, this song, it just uh, embedded itself into pop culture um, back in the late 90s, whenever the song came out. And I believe that he also released a Disney version of the song. Uh, there's there's I, so I was many just versions. I going to say, yes, when you actually pull this up, um, the genres listed range from everything from like... <laughs> Um, Mambo, Latin, pop, children's music, and New Orleans. <laughs> I believe it was, or I'm seeing something on Bob the Builder yes, version. Yes, there's a Bob the Builder yeah. version. Yes. Um, um, and 
what other song in this bracket has a Bob the Builder version? <laughs> um, I, I just think this song was just a lot more embedded into culture than Breakfast at Tiffany's was in a very different way. I think Breakfast at Tiffany's is a great song, but it, it didn't seem to break out of a certain group of people. Whereas Mambo Number no. Five, whether you hated it or you loved it, you still heard it and you knew most of the words to it. Um, I will say that Andrea, clearly you have not heard the, um, oh God, I, I had a good joke there and it has completely lost it because <laughs> you said there's no other, what other song on this has a, um, Bob the, a, Builder. A Bob the Builder version. Oh, I know you have clearly not heard the Bob the Builder version of I'm too sexy, which is filthy. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> so forget the forgot I and just go to the punchline. Um, Amy, where are you on this one? I have got to go with Mambo number five. Um, I just want to like continue to add this charted number one in 20 countries. Um, Ooh. yeah, like it, it's a little bit wild, um, how far it reached. And I just think, and, and to add to Eric, you mentioned this earlier, it actually does have a, second half of the name of the song in parentheses, parentheses. Yes. <laughs> so it is mambo number five parentheses a little bit of dot 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 oh and an ellipsis and an ellipsis Damn. and had everything so i just hat- think that this checks all the boxes and i know that we'll we'll talk about it uh, and while Andrea's here to argue for art, I find myself often <laughs> in in the one hit wonders arguing against art, um, and I'm okay with that for a one hit wonder because I do think that this is a phenomenon. It is silly, it is fun, and it it, it hit everyone from the Bob the Builder crowd to the jazz crowd. I mean, it really just it's all the boxes. I'm wondering, was this also at the point, again, this is kind of like a journey through the 90s. Was this also at the point where swing was making a huge comeback? Mm-hmm. I do think people, so. People were swing dancing again. Like yes. the mighty, time. mighty boss tones. Yeah. Big and, bad voodoo uh, daddy. Big, big bad voodoo daddy. Yeah. Cherry yeah. poppin' daddies. Real big fish, et cetera. That was more ska. I also, I mean, it specifically speaks to the Monica's, Erica's, Rita's, Tina's, Sandra's, Mary's, Jessica's, <laughs> like, of the world. I mean, he made sure that everybody was going to feel the <laughs> He was singing to you out there. But Do like, we know what Mambo's number one through four were about? Can I even enjoy Mambo number five if I've never experienced Mambo's exactly. number four, one through four? These are the questions that we never asked ourselves because we were just going along with it. Uh, but that being said, Mambo number five is advancing to round three. Three seed I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred is up against two seed Baby Guy back by sir mix a lot this is a really tough matchup and if you were listening to part one you would know that actually um well no baby got back was going to advance no matter what but it did get a unanimous vote in the end whereas i believe i'm too sexy was initially supposed to go out and amy successfully convinced us Mm -hmm. that we were wrong because it is uniquely qualified as a one-hit wonder it has the euro trash element that was so 90s um it is 
unbelievably stupid. It is a novelty song. We still cannot to this day figure out if they were being <laughs> genuine with their assertion of sexiness or if it was all tongue in cheek and being completely subversive. Like, I, I, I honestly don't know. If you watch the video, I feel like they were being legitimate. But then there's the point where literally they're walking out of the car and their shirts are ripped off. Like, it's incredible. <laughs> It's like the Francis Ford Coppola of 90s Euro trash music videos. But it like go and listen to the lyrics or, or read the lyrics of I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. It is a plethora of just um, pointed observations about mm-hmm. what it's like to be a too human. Sexy. Yeah, it's, it's too sexy. You know, you're too sexy for your cat. Poor pussycat. What is the poor cat going to do? What poor is a pussy pussycat? Cat. It's an amazing, it, it's almost like um, the Odyssey, really, for sexy people. And so I'm too sexy for the Cyclops. What? Yes. For the people eaters. There's, there's so many things that we're too sexy for. And for that reason, I argue that it should advance, but it's up against the, arguably, Ugh. the song that made juicy bottoms okay to love for Mm -hmm. mainstream america and for that i'm gonna pass it over to andrea to talk about baby Mm. got back yeah exactly what you just said uh baby got back was a light uh during an era of low rise and thongs and heroin chic realness uh and sir mix a lot came along and said ladies you don't got to lose that butt. Please don't lose that butt. That's right, fact, please. He's begging um, you. He's begging you to not lose that butt. And I think that's really what we all needed to hear at that time, was that it was okay to have a little junk in the trunk. Um, and this is another song that I think I know every word to. I cannot say the same for I'm Too Sexy. I've, I know most of the words and probably out of order, because uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of repetitiveness. It's a lot of I'm too sexy for blank, uh, and I probably don't even sing it in the right order. Whereas Baby Got Back, um, no problems singing that song. Um, plus, I mean, as we all know, Nicki Minaj uh, kind of brought this song back in the what was it mid 2010s ish. Yeah, yeah, I'd um, say so. and. Uh, introduced it to a whole new generation. Um, that was very noble of her. And I thank her for that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and she also flipped the script though. Right. Because, and I was thinking about this when I was listening to today, because baby got back is a very objectifying song about women's bodies. And Anaconda is just like, uh, um, I am not interested unless you have got a baby arm down there. And I <laughs> celebrate that honesty. And like, we've held women to such a high standard for so long of beauty. And here's Nicki Minaj taking a song that is all about objectifying the female body. Although it's like celebrating at curves, mm-hmm. right? So it's both objectifying and celebrating. And she's like, yeah, that's all great. But like, I just want a wall of flesh coming at me and uh, you know, same girl. So um, (laughs) anything else to say on baby got back Andrea, or shall we put it to a vote? I think we can put it to a vote. Amy, where are you? As hard as I stomped and I am so proud that I got, I'm too sexy to where it is today. Um, But I'm going to have to go baby got back. Kate. 
Baby got back. I, I feel like one of the things that we have used as a rubric, like on part one, go listen to part one, uh, was, was there a dance to this song? There was not one dance to the song necessarily. People made up dances to this song. Like I know multiple people, our age group, who made up dances to this yes. song, right? Yes. And I feel like that Yesterday, kind of like we made up dances to this song, right? Like it's just yeah, yes, yes, yes. Would we Baby have had back. twerking without Baby Got Back? Mm. It's, it's a good question. It's a good question. Would yeah. we have Kim Kardashian? Without baby got back. Well, that's a, that's a that's, now, that's a, now you're gonna put me in yeah. Jennifer Lopez, J Lo, mm-hmm. exactly. Who, like, who he says it was written apparently for. Really? Mm. Um, in I 2014, according to TMZ, Sir Mix-a-Lot said it was Jennifer Lopez's moves as a fly girl on the 1990 show in Living Color uh, that inspired him to write "Baby Got Back." I love He's that. incredible inspiring future challenges that's incredible um, we love i want to add one more fun fact to this little matchup right here i'm too sexy peaked at number two because it was behind brian adams everything mm-hmm. i do so think about <laughs> how far it got it it crushed everything else the only thing it couldn't overcome was brian adams, brian adams. We can understand. <laughs> understandably baby got back also peaked at number two and it was Second to Boys to Men, end of the road. Oh, wow. So these are like some ridiculous songs that almost beat out juggernauts. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, you have it there. It, and Baby Got Back is itself a juggernaut as it is yeah. moving forward into round three. Next, the panel is unanimous it's in its decision to move forward. One seed groove is in the heart by D-Light. Uh, and it was up against Barbie Girl by Aqua. We really debated long and hard an Aqua versus, what was it up against? The... Four non blondes. Four yeah. non blondes. What's up? Ugh. And it was a tie. And the only reason Aqua advanced was because it was a slightly higher seed. I'm curious if it was if it was D Light versus Four non blondes. Who would have voted for Four non blondes here? Me. I would have. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is why voting is important, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Make sure you're registered to vote. Exactly. And take our poll. They're on our website, graypopculturedebate.com. Go to polls and brackets and you'll find them there. So we I, are advancing. Can I just say a word for Barbie Girl for a moment? Yes, please. You know, this again is like a ridiculous thing that made it into pop culture that someone somewhere had an idea and they were like, well, this will never fly. And guess what? It did. Um, and it was amazing. And my kids sing it and it's going to have a comeback when the Ryan Gosling movie comes out. That's terrible that I just said it was the Ryan Gosling movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's the perfect um, but this is, it's, it's absurd. And like, I do love that there is a layer of absurdity through the mm-hmm. one that wonders because that is the nineties. Yeah. So I just, I, I agree yeah. with that completely. And I'm glad you said that because it was an important song. Well, important <laughs> is probably not the correct <laughs> word there. It was a popular song. It, it was a song that people listened to. That's, that's how we would describe it. It's uh, also interesting to me. I feel like it was just enough on the cusp of like, mega ip wars like did they have to license barbie my recollection Mm. at the time was that mattel did not initially sign off on this and there was some 
legal discussions around it, but I think it was enough where they were like, Barbie is just a name. Yes, yeah. the name Barbie is TM'd, but, and Ken is just a name. I don't think you can make the argument that using names Barbie and Ken are enough Mm-hmm. for lawsuits but i'm i i do believe mattel at least did launch some type of an ip protection suit. they kind of stepped to them yeah. yeah uh next up it's three seed torn by natalie and bruglia versus two seed bittersweet symphony by the verve mm. we are not unanimous on this uh and i'm gonna have andrea talk about torn first I mean, who in 2022 is not all out of faith oh. and cold and shamed, lying naked on their it's bathroom? Bathroom floor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this song. I'm, I'm there right now. We're yeah. all there. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, this song is just, uh, I feel like it's a woman's anthem of heartbreak. It is just a perfect representation of that. Um, and it's so sad that Natalie didn't have any more hits because I feel like she probably really wrote some great stuff. Granted, I haven't listened to anything else that she's written or done. Um, but I think with a song like Torn, there was probably a lot of good stuff in her catalog that we didn't get to experience. And that's a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I, this was that time period where, like, if you wanted to have a song, you either bought the single, which you didn't want, because then it was taking up space in your CD case, or you bought the whole album. And I will say, for some reason, I never got Natalie and Pruglia's full album, even though I love this song. I, which, go ahead, Amy. I was just gonna say, don't like, don't feel too too badly for her. My understanding is she's actually an Australian actress. Um, yeah, she was on Neighbors for sure. I believe yeah. she took like the Kylie Minogue route. She just didn't become Kylie. Right. So like, I mean, sad, but also she's not desolate. She's not right said Fred. <laughs> when is right said? Are you are you right said now, Fred? Are you yeah. wrong? Said right said Fred is actually like mixing this in the background somewhere exactly <laughs> that is red said fred right now but uh all right so um I, does anybody else want to talk about bittersweet symphony or is this mine to take i think you it's mine. Take it it's yeah. yours it's yours yeah. yeah so um this is one of those songs that i do think has a kind of it is quintessentially 90s um as we discussed previously you cannot hear the song without thinking of the final scene of cruel intentions mm. where sarah michelle geller's wonderful character gets busted for having a necklace full of cocaine in her rosary and is kicked out of the the very prestigious school while reese witherspoon is the goody two-shoes girl and drives off into the sunset very pleased with herself for being a narc um <laughs> <laughs> but it is one of those quintessential 90s moments that 90s kids kind of yes. gravitate towards. Although I think it's like right on the cusp of 90s, 2000s. Um, it is also just a really great song. Like it's it's melodic. It's catchy. It, there's something about it. We, we talked in the first one about how the Freshman by the Verve Pipe, not the same band, is this ponderous and like fake intellectual kind of version and like i don't get that from this this yes it's it's trying to make a statement about you know the reality of being a modern person but it doesn't feel like it's trying too hard and i do think it's a very successful song 
to me, this is a toss up. I think both of them are really great songs. They both were unequivocally one hit wonders that were smash hits. I don't think either one of them is, is iconic in the same way that other songs on this bracket are. So, Amy, where are you on this? Bittersweet symphony, but like this is one of those moments where I wish we could be like, well, I'd like to bring I'm Too Sexy over from the other side of the bracket and put it over here because that to me is iconic and neither of these stands out. But Cruel Intentions does take this one over for me. Kate, where are you? Definitely Bittersweet Symphony. Um, I I love this song, as I discussed or mentioned in the first half of this episode. This was the original title of my second book, which is about teenage musicians. Um, And I just think in the way that this is less ponderous and a little more open-ended, like the lyrics are really interesting. Um, Trying to make ends meet, you're a slave to money, then you die. Like, Like, there's something about that that felt very, like emo revelatory to me in whatever 2000 or something when this came out, but it's such a beautiful kind of uplifting sort of hopeful driving song. Um, I think that's kind of where its power comes from. Uh, we didn't yeah. even realize how true those lyrics were when we right. were in the nineties. Exactly. Yeah. We were so young. I'll take you down the only road I've ever been down. You know, the pl- the one that takes you to the places where all the veins meet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, it's it's good. Good. It's good it song. is, it's a great song. Uh, we are advancing two seed bittersweet symphony. So next up it's one seed, tub thumping by chumbawamba versus five seed love fool by the cardians amy you wanted to speak on love fool this to me comes back also to the movie so you know we we didn't get to talk about it i don't think too much here about kiss me kiss me sixpence on the richer that's she's all that um bittersweet symphony for me cruel intentions this is romeo and juliet and like to me, this was just such a moment in time. Um, and I, I don't know. That's why it, it does it for me. That's with that said, tub thumping, Jumbawamba, like Chumbawamba is unique and, and has <laughs> that Barbie girl, like ridiculousness. So, um, I often find myself arguing uh, against the art in this bracket, um, in this, in this cat, like episode, um, this is the one time I will argue for the better song uh, because I don't think anybody here is going to say that tub thumping is a great ballad. Um, but I think that love fool is. Yeah. I do not think that tub thumping is a good song. <laughs> However, I think it is a well-constructed song in that it is like almost genetically engineered to be catchy in a way that I'm not even sure how it happened. But um, Andrew, you want to talk about top thumping, top thumping and Chumbawamba. Is that a euphemism for something? That I'm not uh, aware of yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Like we talked about in part one, tub thumping is just uh, a song that stands alone. Chumbawamba stands alone. Uh, two very unique things. We don't know what a Chumbawamba is, who <laughs> a Chumbawamba is, or anything. And same with Tub Thumping. Uh, I mean, like, I'm looking at the lyrics again for Tub Thumping, and I don't understand where the title came from based on the lyrics. Uh, however, um, I get knocked down, but I get up again. You are never going to keep me down. I mean... 
what an anthem of a song when that is like 95% of the lyrics of the song. Um, you know, you, you sing this song and you feel so empowered and ready to face the world. Plus you get a whiskey drink and a vodka drink and a lager drink and a cider drink. And Danny boy is there. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's got everything. Um, granted, uh, I do think that loveful is the better song technically. However, I think tub thumping is more iconic out of the two songs. It is again, one of those songs that is just so ridiculous and so stupid, but so fun. And this is Amy and I are switching uh, <laughs> right now. She's arguing for the art uh, and I'm arguing against the art. Um, uh, I mean, based on the album cover alone for Chumbawamba's tub thumping album, like how can you say no to that? Yeah, I have to say, like, for me, I, you brought up a great point. Like, what is this song about? I always interpret it as a fight song where it's <laughs> top thumping is like, you know, uh, you're in a, a an Irish or a Scottish bar and it's the people that are like making loud noise, like loud noises to get riled up for some type of a fight. And the tub is like the thump that they're banging on. <laughs> That's always what I thought it was. But maybe I'm wrong. You also mentioned it has Danny Boy. It also has fucking Evita in there. Don't cry for me, next oh, door yeah. neighbor. <laughs> like, that's amazing. And I don't think this would have been in parallel to Madonna's Avita film, but maybe no. I don't remember. Yeah. And even at the beginning of the song, they sing, We'll be singing. I get knocked down, but I get up again. So you're already invited into this song. Yeah. It always just felt like a folk song to me that people who are kind of average ordinary people who get kicked around by life because as we pointed out previously this band is actually like an anarchist punk band and they had this like upbeat thing that you know wall street bros would be pounding beers to <laughs> and meanwhile like i think it was really for like the average ordinary joe raging against the machine but the machine loved it. So there you go. Um, Kate, where are you on this? <laughs> you know, I love Fool. I love Love Fool. I think, like you said, Andrea, it is technically the better pop song. The production's incredible. The fact that it came from Boslerman's William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> right? Like that is extremely points, 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 points for 90s. And like, I personally absolutely adore this song. The first band on the moon, the Cardigans album, is actually tremendous. It's really terrific. Um, but in terms of like one hit wonders, tub thumping is really hard to hard to argue against. I'm going to go to tub thumping. I'm I'm coming around to the arguing against the art. Like what's happening? <laughs> well, we're all losing our taste. It's okay. It's I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back on brand and also argue against the art. Um, because Chumbawamba also makes me think of Chupa Chups, which are very yes. Very 90s, very 90s. I'm also voting for top thumping, so that means it is unanimously going on to round three. Uh, finally, in round two, three-seed closing time by Semisonic is up against seven-seed You Gotta Be by Desiree. Uh, closing time was actually a unanimous vote in round one, so we haven't talked about it. Kate, do you want to talk a little bit about why you like this song? And then, Andrea, you want to go with Desiree here? 
So Closing Time came out in the spring of 1998. I graduated in the spring of 1998 uh, from high school. So it is very like my exact feelings of like closing time. You don't have to go <laughs> home, but you can't stay here. Subtext, thank God. <laughs> like, so ready to be out of here. But it's also, it's a great song. Dan Wilson, who is the lead singer, songwriter, has gone on to have a very like incredible career writing for the Dixies uh, or the the Chicks now. Um, who else has he written for? He's written for a ton of people. Um, but that song is just a juggernaut, the kind of right song, right place. It is our generation's last dance, right? Like it's what they play to get people. You, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Um, and if anyone has ever listened to uh, Song Exploder, do you know Song Exploder? It's mm-hmm. another podcast. Uh, where they ask musicians to kind of do a deep dive about like what a song is actually about and the story behind closing time, the actual story behind it is really incredible. Um, he was writing the song when his partner was uh, pregnant and giving birth. And mm. um, when their child was born, I'm going to get the details mixed up because it's been a while, but basically it was a very difficult birth and they didn't know whether or not uh, the baby was going to be okay and she's okay um she's i believe a teenager now maybe um and uh that's what the he was writing the song when his partner was pregnant that's why this room won't be open till your brothers or your sisters come like that's Mm. what it's about uh it's it's incredible it's just a really great episode um and a really like the song has a very deep, deep, deep emotion in it that nonetheless, like it doesn't have to be about that, right? Like people still feel kind of what that sense of transition and change is about. And I think that's why, in addition to being catchy, <laughs> right? And like a good tune, I think that's why it captured a moment and is the one hey wonder that it is. That is so interesting. And right? I-, I think I see where this is going. Before we get there, I want Andrea to talk about You Gotta Be by Desiree. <sighs> This was more of a vote against closing time than it was for, um, you gotta be, but I will say, um, you know, the nineties and early two thousands, we really started to see a resurgence of, you know, girl power. Um, and like, you know, the, the, the hippie font with like the little flowers with it, those are like all around the Dahlia magazines, um, (laughs) (laughs) and all of that. And, um, you gotta be is just a very confident song. It's a very uplifting song. It's empowering. It's everything that I feel like that generation needed at the time was this message to be strong, but also be who you are. Um, that being said, I mean, semi-sonics closing time. Um, I don't think I can walk into a grocery store and not hear that song <laughs> playing over <laughs> the uh, grocery store radio. And I can't say the same for you gotta be, but I, I did just want to recognize, um, how unique that song was for that time. Fair. And I, I do wonder if the grocery stores are playing that to get people out of their goddamn store. Um, <laughs> Amy, where are you on this one? Um, this is a tough one. Um, I don't have like a really strong, but I don't have a really strong opinion, but closing time. 
Yeah, I'm voting for Closing Time, too. I do think it is more uh, resonant with pop culture than you got to be overall. I will point out that where I saw this going is... We now have top thumping versus closing time. (laughs) Which is so chaotic and I kind of love it. But um, we will get to that. With that said, that is the end of round two. We are going to take a quick break to get some buns, Hans. And we will be right back after these messages. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we are back for round three of our best one-hit wonders of the 90s and 2000s debate. We determined that none of us were, in fact, too sexy for this episode, so we are continuing on into the Elite Eight. But before that, we want to ask my panel, how can people find you on social media, Amy? Um, Oh, so it is Amy Pilot on Instagram if you want to see cute pictures. Um, But I actually really like to encourage people to come and uh, take some 90s rides with me on Peloton at Amy Spins 83 I love that. And I am jealous, and, and I really need to get onto that Peloton thing if I had the space in my apartment. So thank you, Amy. Cody Rigsby just did a whole boy band ride. Ooh, <laughs> love that. Uh, Andrea, how about yourself? Uh, you can find me at www.twitter.com at Dre Souffle. Thank you for giving the full URL. That was very very, helpful. It's very important. Yes. The World Wide Web, I hear, is going to take the world by storm. (laughs) So thank you. Uh, Kate, what about you? So I am occasionally on Twitter at Kate Reculia, but if you want to see cute pictures of my cats, I am at Gomez Rack on Instagram. Great. And you can find me at Eric Resniak. That's E-R-I-C-R-E-Z as in zebra, S as in snake, N as in Nancy, Y-A-K on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can message at Great Pop Culture Debate on Insta or at Culture underscore Debate on Twitter. We also have, God help us, added TikTok. So follow at Great Pop Culture Debate uh, on there. I know. No, no. But wait. We're going to be offering our hot takes on the current movies, music, TV, film. So we're going to do our little short reviews on there. Have we started doing it as I film this? No, we have no. not. Oh my goodness. But we will be doing it. And I encourage all of my panelists to make their own little videos of their whatever they're listening to, watching that they love or hate. And we will put it up on our TikTok. So uh, look at us moving head forward into 2015. Uh, <laughs> we are all way too old for that platform (laughs) i know i know and here we are so uh let's move on to round three so i can get back to touching myself uh first up (laughs) it is no rain by blind melon versus kiss me by sixpence none the richer we're gonna go around the horn andrea where are you on this one uh kiss me by sixpence amy kiss me kate no rain forever Hmm, okay do you want to explain why you're voting for no rain 
I mean, I think that this is this is purely the Kate generational part, right? Like Sixpence None the Richer came out when I was in college. It was everywhere. I liked it, but like No Rain as a song still kind of has something to say to me. And I feel like it it was more expansive when I encountered it of an idea of like what a song could be. And it's just like, I just really love it. I I like it more than I like kiss me period. Really? Have you listened (laughs) to kiss me? Have you listened to kiss me lately? Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Interesting. I I genuinely think kiss me is a great song. I think it's perfectly executed. And I think it is, it was ever you. Could you even be a romantic comedy or a show about teenagers in the nope. 1990s could not, and not, not. have not. Kiss yep. Me somewhere mm-hmm. on your soundtrack? Whereas Blind Melon, it, it certainly had a moment. I'm not going to argue that earlier in the 90s. I think it's more like grunge adjacent. So I'm glad that it's yeah. made it as far as it has. Yeah. But if we're talking about the 90s and one hit wonders that were cultural juggernauts, uh, to me, it is Kiss Me as well. So that's three for Kiss Me. And it will be advancing to the final four. Is that correct? Are we there? Yeah. We're there. Yeah. We're there. Yeah. Me, me and B girl are just gonna go run out in the field. <laughs> Tap like, dance. Have a great time. Tap, Tap dance, dance with our delight. Older, all our B friends. I love it. Uh Mambo number five by Lou Vega versus Baby Got Back by Sir Mixicott. Love this matchup. Um, I'm going to start with Amy. What do you think? I just want to say that I'm sad about this matchup because um, <laughs> like my initial personal bracket had a lot more of this kind of like ridiculousness um so here i have to go baby got back but mambo number five had a really good run here and i think it's iconic and it's fabulous and it's wonderful and i'm happy that it's here with us in the final eight agreed kate Baby Got Back. I also had a personal relationship with this song in 1992. Through, like, no, not even trying. Like, I just was in the water. (laughs) It was. It was, uh, again, omnipresent. Andrea. While I had a personal relationship with Mamba number five, I am going to go with Baby Got Back. Yeah, I'm going to make it a clean sweep. It does occur to me that the Humpty Dance, which I kind of put in the same thing, also not on this bracket, but I think that of all of those songs that were about uh, essentially banging it out. Um, I do think that baby got back is kind of like the, the Picasso uh, of all of those. Um, and it is, it's, it's hanging in the pop culture Louvre, if you will. Um, next up, it is groove is in the heart by D light versus bittersweet symphony by the verve. This is one where I don't actually think either one of these deserve to be in the final four. No, nope. if we're being honest, but I'm gonna start with Kate. Uh, so I feel like we didn't even talk about Groovers in the Heart. We haven't which, really. Like, I'm just gonna like briefly. It's it is the sound of summer 1990. It's early 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is in its 90s points. It gets points for being lots of samples on lots of recombinations. There's like a Herbie Hancock sample in there. There's a Billy <laughs> Preston sample in there. The rap is Q-Tip from Tribe Called Quest, which yeah. I did not know he did yep. that. Um, Bootsy Collins yes. is has like a vocal track in it. It is pure 90s disco house funk. 
and it still sounds good. And I did actually, so my second book is set in the nineties and there is like a dig with, there's like an acapella group that like they're beatboxing to groove is in the heart. And like the character's like, Oh God, <laughs> what's worse than these guys beatboxing, beatboxing groove is in the heart. Like, <laughs> but like secretly I love it. So I, it's a great song. It's a true one hit wonder. I feel like this is kind of representing that sort of like funk soul one hit wonder, like your stereo MCs can, connected kind of like that um but i'm gonna personally vote for bittersweet symphony because i agree both of these sort of neither of these are juggernauts to me but like i like bittersweet symphony better (laughs) amy i i like almost want to abstain um (laughs) i just don't like i agree i just don't think that these two belong here um when there were so many other things that got knocked out i mean we lost Ice Ice Baby like Ugh. hours ago. Hours, <laughs> hours. hours ago. We've been here for days. <laughs> <sighs> and then strewn all around us, our comrades. <laughs> red said red. I know. Los Del Rio. You have to make a we have Margarita to make it. Gone, I know. And we're talking about delaying Macy Gray in the 32. Yeah, we, we kicked her out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Fine. Uh, bittersweet Symphony. Okay. <laughs> it's purely because of, of the Coke and Sarah yes, Michelle. Yes, it's totally. Yes. Like, only because it gave us Reese Witherspoon and um, Ryan Felipe's short lived marriage and beautiful children. Yes, yes they are beautiful mm-hmm. children. Andrea. <sighs> Um, <laughs> I I'm gonna go with Bittersweet Symphony, even though I like Groovers in the Heart better as a song. But the reason why I'm gonna go with Bittersweet is because Groovers in the Heart came out in 1990, mm. and it almost feels more 80s than yeah. anything else. It's a transitional else. song. It is. Yep. It's a transitional mm-hmm. song, and I just don't think it fits very well with the rest of the bracket. It feels very out of place. Um, among the top eight, let alone the final four. So, Bittersweet Symphony. That's so interesting because I actually think it is incredibly 90s. Yes, it came out in 1990, but I think it was actually very forward thinking, even though it was so referential to stuff from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, and that was actually my argument is like, in all of its sampling, it actually, if anything, is almost futuristic for its mm-hmm. time. It does have a futuristic sort of sound to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that video is like quintessentially 90s with like, I can see the hyper saturated greens. Mm-hmm. And yes, she's wearing like the 70s clothes, but it's still that, that was partly 90- that was the 90s. Though. Yeah, it yeah. was the 90s referencing the 70s. And it was very clearly mm-hmm. doing that. But it, regardless, it doesn't matter. Bittersweet Symphony is continuing to the final four. I personally would have picked for D-Light, but that's just for me. Now, this is a tough one. It's Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba versus Closing Time by Semisonic. <laughs> you have one that has this really sad story, and it's very kind of, I, like, Kate, the thing that really resonated with me when you were discussing this uh, in the last round was, mm-hmm. this is our generation's version of Last Dance. And my immediate yes. thought was, how fucking sad is that? <laughs> because, like, last Dance is, okay, guess what, hookers? The lights are about to come in, so you better get your yourself a piece of ass right now or else you are busted and this is okay drunks everyone's miserable it's the sample sale get what's left like th- like that's- I know who I 
want to take me home. Yeah, like it's <laughs> how sad. And one of the things I always think about in the 90s is like everyone was so depressed and miserable in the 90s. And now I look back on it, I was like, we never knew how good we had it. Like we really didn't. But everyone was miserable in the 90s. And that is frankly emblematic of closing time by some by uh semi-sonic i'm still voting for chumbawamba here because that is a quintessential 90s one-hit wonder Mm -hmm. and i feel like closing time is more like an encapsulation of the vibe of the 90s but that's not what i think of as a one-hit wonder a one-hit wonder should be disposable and nothing is more disposable than tom thumping by chumbawamba amy where are you i'm actually i totally agree with that um i'm again sad that we lost Montel Jordan and this is how we do it <laughs> to Chumpawamba earlier but I guess this is almost like like if that was going to take out my song then I might as well push this forward I do think that um, <laughs> I, I do think that closing time is like even though they I don't know anything else that they necessarily did I think it's too good to to be here so um, Chumpawamba tub thumping because when else could that have been a hit yeah, exactly. Andrea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sticking with tub thumping. Um, I moonlight as a bartender and at least once a week <laughs> when we close and do last call, some drunk asshole singing closing time. Sonic, and I can't do it. I can't. No. I can't. Um, so tub thumping. Yeah. God. Uh, Kate. I I really have I'm very personally fond of closing time, but I have been swayed by the energy, and I'm gonna go with chub with chub chub thumping. Chub thumping. <laughs> now that 100 percent is a gay euphemism. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, before we get to the final four and closing time, we are going to take one more quick break. We'll be right back after these messages. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we are back with our final four of the best one-hit wonders of the 90s and 2000s. It is Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer versus Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-A-Lot and Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve versus Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. I can't tell you (laughs) if this is what I thought we were going to have because this one has been wild. (laughs) Wild. It has been chaotic and I wouldn't have it any other way. So let's jump in. Kiss Me versus Baby Got Back. Uh, Amy Pilot, where are you voting? Baby got back. Andrea Guerrero, where are you voting? In my personal bracket, I have Kiss Me going all of the way. I'm going to go down with that ship and stick with Kiss Me. Okay. Kate Reculia. I think I got to give it to Baby Got Back. I'm also giving it to Baby Got Back. That's um, fair. For, like, Kiss Me was quintessential for the rom-coms of the 90s baby got back is still being felt there's reverberations in our culture to this day because now we all want 
an ample booty. You know, mm-hmm. you can do side bends and sit ups, but please do not. Please lose don't that lose butt. that. But please don't do it. So um, he, he, this was a, a rallying call that is still being answered 30 years later. God bless that man. Whereas kiss me. <laughs> wonderful. Sweet. Got, you know, Rachel Lee Cook on the floor with De- Freddie Prince Jr. We love it. Not a baby got back. Bittersweet Symphony versus Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. Kate Ricola, where are you coming down? I do love Bittersweet Symphony, but in the in the Thunderdome for Best One Hit Wonder, you, you they get knocked down, but they get up again. It has to be Tub Thumping. Oh my! Okay, I said it right that time. You did it, <laughs> Andrea. Tub Thumping, Amy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <Not> something. <laughs> so we have an almost unanimous final two of Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-A-Lot and Tub Thumping by Chumba Wumba. I'm going to start with Andrea. Oh, um... Oh boy, this is not the matchup I envisioned. Nope, nor, nor I. But, nor I. But I'm not mad about it at all. It feels right still. Um... I think I'm going to go with tub thumping. Okay. Amy. So I, I had baby got back as my all the way in my own bracket. Um, And can, can I give you a couple of reasons why? Yes. I would love to hear it. Okay. So this is the song that keeps coming back. Like it, it is the one hit wonder of the nineties, but I don't like to admit that the 90s were 30 plus years ago, but for 30 plus years, this song just keeps making its way back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you think about all these different defining things in pop culture. So, like, Ross and Rachel singing to their baby in Friends. He sings Baby Got Back, and it's the one thing that makes baby Emma laugh. Like, <laughs> I, it's like a ridiculous thing, but right. Like it just keeps coming back. So there was like a group of people who I'm sure knew baby got back, but then it was there again. Um, it was in glee. They did this whole thing in glee with it. Um, it's now in like the sing movies. I mean, it's, it's just, it keeps coming back. And then we talked about it already. Um, Nicki Minaj and, and you know, I don't know. It just, to me, this is, this is the one hit wonder that that has has like a life of its own. It, it's to me, this is the one hit wonder of all one hit wonders. Um, it, commercials, everything. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure there was a Burger King commercial at some point. Like, I, I mean, it's crazy what it's done. So to me, this is it. And don't get me wrong. The fact that tub something by Chumba Wumba <laughs> is a thing is in itself pretty amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and I, like you were mentioning, there there's probably a burking ad. I feel like I have seen so many ads that have used "Baby Got Back" over the years, yeah. which is so remarkable because it's a song about fat butts, and yet somehow <laughs> it has been co-opted to sell like I don't know macaroni and cheese. Although I guess that does make sense, but like seriously, <laughs> like it's it, it is you can it's a utility belt of of one hit wonders. Kate, where are you? I, I have to give it to Baby Got Back in terms of like cultural longevity uh, impact. Yeah. Yep. I, 
remember like the the there, there was something where like someone had a, a single of it and it was like a scandalo that they had it and like i feel like the little <laughs> picture of the single he's like standing on what is clearly like a butt yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yep. 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 Mm-hmm. it looks it's like two mountains like he's like looking over yes. the horizon but yep. it's a butt it's a butt. It's a butt. Just say no to crack. Uh, but <laughs> I, this is all coming down to butts. I, I that's the nineties. Um, I, and it's funny going into this battle, I was thinking, well, it's going to be top thumping because it was like just everywhere at the time. It was so <laughs> omnipresent. But I think that Amy makes a great point that. In the 90s, tub thumping was everywhere. Not that Baby Got Back wasn't, but Baby Got Back is still culturally relevant 30 plus years after and keeps coming back. That means it's, there's something about that, right? There's, there's something very unique about it. And I do think it is catchy in a way. I mean, tub thumping is too, but like you can't escape baby got back even now it was huge then it's huge now um we like big butts and we cannot deny so there you have it folks our pick for the best one hit wonder of the 90s and 2000s is baby got back by sir mix a lot do you agree do you think we should have joined michelle tamika and tanya and rode that train right out of town tell us how you really feel by leaving a comment on this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com or find us on instagram twitter facebook or youtube while you're there make sure that you subscribe and follow Follow the podcast so you can hear about what new new debates are coming soon, vote in open polls, and even decide which topics we tackle next. By the way, if you want some of the same treatment for this best one-hit wonders of the 70s and 80s, you are in luck. We already recorded that episode back in season four, and you can find it on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure to check out the playlists on Spotify for these episodes. You can find those in the bonus section at greatpopculturedebate.com. I want to say thank you to my panel. The Venga bus is coming to pick us up any minute, and thank you for listening. Listening. If you loved what you heard, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where you can get even more exclusive content and you get episodes a whole day early. We hope you have a good one. And remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinions. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.